Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Right? <laughs> 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 the blah blah Sending out good vibes. I'm not here to discuss whether or not vaccines injure and kill. I'm here to discuss how many are we injuring and killing? And what is your threshold? Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Del Big Tree a little bit later. Uh, vaccines, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, it's a good it's a one. Great chat. Great chat. Uh, we actually just recorded earlier tonight. We are out of content over here in Grand America. So good thing we did a double tonight. We'll be here till midnight, but that's okay. Uh, of course, we got uh, Graham. I built myself a bird's nest Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? What does that mean? Oh, in the studio yeah. here? I sent some pictures in the chats of all the new... Uh, the new sound... sound all the new uh, soundproofing, yeah. which we got from Free, from my buddy Jimbo. From Free, yeah. I'll leave it at Jim. Um, I had a job site with some leftover stuff, and he gave us all this acoustic paneling, which is amazing. We've got it everywhere. I posted some pictures in the chats, and someone said it looks like a nest that we've built. So, yeah. And now that I look at it, it does seem very nesty. It's a little it's cozier. Yeah. yeah. I can yell a little, I could sing, and we have a, hopefully the audio is a little better. Yeah. yeah. We scrambled around setting all these panels up. We even have some on the table to try and make the audio a little better. So hopefully we will. Hopefully it's a win. How's it going, buddy? I'm okay. Yeah, I've been thinking about the listeners uh, and the supporters a lot lately. Have you? Super grateful. Like, yeah. you know, that when I think back to when we started this and how we have people donate. Remember we talked about the donate. I remember talking to somebody at one of the symposiums or like, do you donate to shows? And I'm like, yeah, I do donate to shows that I like. Like, cause remember we were talking, they were talking about the monetary model and all that. Yeah. This is like five years ago now, probably. And, um, just to see where it's coming, that people actually will donate if they like it. And I just, I just felt super grateful for all the supporters that we have and that we're able to find, finally get into our own space here. We made and, rent. Uh, made rent. Two months in a row, we made rent. Yeah. It was close, and, but you know, we made we can't it. can't do this uh, without people's support. Like, we, we, you know, not like we're doing it anyways. Yeah, that's right. I mean, no, we couldn't do it without you guys, 100%. Without you guys, we couldn't do shows like this. Like, how do we have chats like this about vaccines, really um, polarizing topics in a good, in a nice way? Like, you know, and he's he wasn't dogmatic at all about it. It's all about the science. Mm-hmm. Laid it out very well, but we'll we'll still get you know um, they still won't want this on platforms. I mean, you can't no. you, you know the hate uh, f- for this guy and what he's doing is unbelievable on the internet. This is one of those third rail topics. So we couldn't even do this if we didn't have people supporting it. Like, there's no way. No, no, no. People like you are the best. And if you're not supporting it, uh, we get it. You know, if it, a lot of times it's just a, a matter of getting it done. You know, it takes the energy. You have to be in the moment. You have to have your credit card out or whatever. You have to go to grimeamerica.ca slash support. You have to punch in your number. Maybe you have to make a PayPal account. Yeah. I mean, this or is a Patreon. This is a or pain. Stripe. Yeah, this is a pain in the ass. I get it. I mean, 
I got to drag my ass in here every uh, Wednesday after work, sit in the studio for six hours and make a podcast that I can edit together on my Friday night so I can release <laughs> it to the people on Saturday so that they can listen to it. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass too. Just saying. No, but it's, hey, it's we're, fun. we're really grateful, we're for, grateful, for, grateful it. for to be able to do this, to have conversations for the one percent people that, that we want to have conversations with you know yeah. nobody's telling us and the, and the listeners have suggested a bunch of people and those are some of the best best shows we've done well you've tried to take the show on a crazy little steer a couple of times but luckily we've kept her on track <laughs> yeah yeah but we did try we do we are trying to get above one percent you know one percent of the people that donate some shows you know they they trick you into donating we don't do that yet yet <laughs> <laughs> So we're trying to get up organically past 1%, you know, maybe a 2%, 3%. We'll start then, with one. Yeah. We'll start with one. Yeah. It helps. I, got a, I got an email about support. slash support. Yeah, I don't have a jingle because I have the physical mail jingle queued up that I don't have on the jingle board yet because I don't oh, know. Oh, you got some I physical mail. don't have a too. good you excuse. Got that, you got that mail I brought yeah, from the you want to do that box? first? Let's do that first. No, no, no. We can, right. Let's keep going on the show All here. All right, you go. On the support. So I got this email from the Gnosis Seeker. If I've read this, just t tell me. I'm having a hard time um, recycling my old, uh, old emails. Actually, I am feeling better uh, without the wheat and sugar. I you look better. I, you look I think, you know, another couple of weeks, I might be able to pull out beefcake again. It's been a couple of years. I've had to keep beefcake on the shelf because you mean? let yourself slide. You get all too excited. big for beefcake? Yeah. Really? Little, yeah, you're getting a little chubby. Jesus. I didn't want to say anything. It's been it's been a productive month, and I I think some of that's got to do with the sugar and wheat. Yeah, there you go. And the full moon in twenty nineteen. And I told you, did you do your twenty nineteen vision board? No, I did the the meditation for the full moon. There. Okay, I did a vision board. That's good. Okay, yeah. I've that done it good. before, kind of. Before I do one every year. That's Actually, good. I did one for two years. Did that's I good. do one? Yeah. Well, I mean, Lisa gets me to do it with her. It wasn't for her one, but it's amazing when you look back at the last one. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. Good? Mm -hmm. Is that part of your process for the 2019 vision board is to look back at the old one? No. <laughs> no. No? Not really. That's a good idea, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a good exactly. idea. Yeah, kind of prime you for the new I'll one. Take it under, I'll take it yeah. under advise, advisement. Yeah, good. We saw so, people in the chat saw where you're going this weekend or what podcast you've been subscribing to. Well, no, not the people on in the chat. What? what that's a, who knew it would email all the <laughs> patrons of Grimerica if I decided to patron something? Is that a new thing? Like, I don't know, but that's crazy. dangerous. Yeah. What if I like, especially that it was what, that if I went, what if I went and supported some like, like red ice radio or right fucking outfit? Like, and then everybody's like, go, go, go. See, the, it's it's probably a new thing that everybody like takes away their, their patronage. Yeah, what's well, that foreplay Crazy. radio? Because I listen to it, I enjoy it, and I think it's criminal that more people don't listen to that show. If you're married or in a long-term relationship, I think it's worth a listen. Sex with Emily's good, too. Well, I haven't heard that one yet. I'm actually going to try and get them on to a swap cast with them. Yeah, yeah I, cool. I became a patron of them and then emailed all well, the patrons, and then one of our patrons decided he would uh, post it in the chats. So Thanks, Grim. Thanks, Grim. Thanks, uh, Bill did, too. So thanks, Grim and Bill. But yeah, so this is one of those rare instances where we're doing the intro for the guest right after the interview for the guest. So everything's nice and fresh. If I've read this, let me know. So Darren and Graham, I've been a listener of your show since I heard you on the Higher Side Chats, February 9th, 2018. 
Almost a year ago. Almost a year ago. I was not aware of your program until then, and I'm going through the back catalog of your shows on my daily commute to work. I find the range of guests top and topics amazing. You guys are willing to have any viewpoints on your show from what I can tell through the back catalog. Let's just say my backlog of books to read getting higher as I write. One thing I love about your show, other than the great intros and guests, is the value for value model. I love it that you don't have ads in your show since I have other podcasts and I listen to them and have them embedded in, and have them embedded in the programming. I can handle a little, but when you have like five minutes of them, I find that too much. I, for one, are not a fan of ads and I go out of my way to get rid of them as much as I can when I'm on the net through app purchases that remove them, blocking scripts and other programs. I do not need someone telling me what to get and why as well as they can become a vector of malware, spyware, grayware, and the like if their services get compromised. I think I did read this, but anyway, it's, it's good. I'll read it again. Okay, that's good to know. Once I get the furlough, I'm underlifted. I'm going to support you through Stripe in a monthly donation. I learned so much by listening to your show as well as expanding Wait, my what? views. What's the date on that email? Oh, I don't know. Oh, January 10th. It's a little old. January. So I thought you said 2018. No, no, he found us in 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. we, have, we weren't on fucking Stripe in 2018. No, no, no. He found us in 2018. I learned so much by listening to your show as well as expanding my views on a lot of topics and want to show support to the show with all the work and effort you guys put in to provide quality programming for free. I'm not sure what the laws in Canada are with this, but you should look at creating an Amazon wish list where fans can help keep your equipment, hardware, software, and items for your new space updated and could help with the overhead of your operation. If this is not doable, maybe fans can ship items to the PO box to help with updates. Just a thought. Keep up the great work you do. James from Iowa. I think we have a wish list. Do we? That's a great yeah, idea. And then I found out that other people could populate stuff on it. And then I went and looked at it and there was like a couple of uh, RCMP Mountie costumes on there. No and way. a blow up sex doll. Really? Yeah. That would be Okay. The Mountie costumes <laughs> or the sex doll? We could do and, a then, and then use the blow up sex yeah. doll. Is that like all the same person? Or you know what? I should start adding. I should start doing little GoFundmes to like, well, dress Graham up as a pirate for five hundred bucks. <laughs> we could pirate. I've been a pirate. We could pull the, I know. We could dress you've been myself up as a pirate. When you've been fifty Halloweens, you had a chance to do everything. Um, I haven't participated could, lately. We could do a Frodo week. Yeah. I got it. Let's start pimping you out with Halloween costumes. People love it. It'll be a lot to cost extra if the calves are exposed. Good stuff. Marketing on the fly. Here we go. Get out a pen and paper and write this down. Or a pencil. Why don't you send some physical mail to the Grimerica Show? At P.O. Box 16033. Next line. Uh-huh. 100-815, comma, 17th Avenue, SW. Next line. Uh-huh. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Uh-huh. Canada. Next line. Uh-huh. T2T, space, 5H7. That's the EO box. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Because he's got a dirty sock fetish. A couple people asked if we were going to get rid of the PO box now that we have a space. And the answer is no, we're not going to tell you motherfuckers where we are. That's a good point. Not only that, but I, I think we're too Boom, far. Boom, Mercedes we're, through the wall. Yeah. Rambo taken out. Yeah. It's too risky. 
It's a brick wall, though. That might protect you. I could drive my truck right through that motherfucker. Really? The bricks would just fall on your ass. Anyway, do you have an email on this? I thought you said you did. Well, it's not ready. It's an old one. You, you've been communicating with this guy. He's on Team Darren now, so... Anyway, Amazon Associates, they actually, today, they sent us uh, our last nine bucks. <laughs> our total nine bucks we made since I reinstituted the program, and that was our farewell because we're not eligible for the program because of lack of original content. Whoa, what does that mean? <laughs> I think it's because they go by the show notes and there's so many links in it. So the show notes are too thorough, and plus there's a copy-paste in the show notes. We have that uh, generic part. What? I think that's got something to do with it. It's just an algorithm. Yeah, it's just an algorithm. Oh, the algos are so yeah, dumb. Like, I mean, they really you know, don't know what You can have a thousand hours of original fucking <laughs> podcast content. Not original. But we don't want to do that fucking sponsors, nah, was, corporate sponsorship anyways. Yeah, exactly. It was the last thing to push it off the edge. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, where's So this? what are you going to buy with it? Does it just get transferred to our Amazon account or happened. something? I don't know what happens to it. They said they sent it to us. I should actually look into that, where they sent it. Yeah, let's get a book in the studio. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, it probably does. It does. It goes into Amazon. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Amazon Prime. Pick a book. Okay, where are we? So I got an email. You know what? It was actually yesterday. Hey, Darren. It's your supporter, Amsterdam, here. I just wanted to let you know there's a t-shirt from QWERTY underway to the P.O. box. I wanted to make sure this time you'll know who ordered a t-shirt for one of you. I hope it fits and you like it. I love your show. So keep up the great work. Greetings. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Amsterdam. We got a shirt here. Assuming it's a shirt. What kind of shirt you think it is? You said you thought you knew. Do you want to guess? It's, it's, it's got probably mushrooms or something on it. Paraphernalia. Psychedelics. <laughs> Sasquatch. Hide and seek world champion. Oh. Awesome. So you got another shirt coming, I guess, too, because I know of another one that's on way for you. For me? Really? What's with Don't the Team Darren shirt? I don't know. It's a couple of Team Darrens lately. Eh? Oh, oh, shit. Well, that's a test, eh? Yeah. They throw, sugar, fucking, sugar. they throw candy in with a couple of guys that are trying to get off sugar. <laughs> Let's see how long we can keep that on the no, table. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to hack this right now. Get it out of my sight. That's Brody. <laughs> Let's see how long it lasts on the table. Thank you very much for the shirt, Amsterdam. I love it. I'll wear it this weekend. You're going to wear that to your couple's retreat? The Sasquatch Hide and Seek Champion shirt? <laughs> Actually, if you guys are in the woods, maybe that, maybe that's a good thing. Do you think this is the right one? Maybe this one isn't for me. Yeah, that's probably do you, do you think it's a possibility that it's the wrong shirt? Well, it's to us. Then here, I'll take it. Is it is it large? Is it extra large? It's not gonna fit you. It's uh, we got a dinner in it large. Yeah, uh, that'll fit. That's fine. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Brown looks good on me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here's the email I've been saving up. Ooh, this would be a good yeah. One. Probably just read it last week. Yeah. So this is another one from maybe maybe part of the UK posse. Greetings from the UK. I'm one of the strange dudes traveling through, trawling through your back catalog one episode at a time. They are kind of without, like a different breed, eh? The without, back catalogers. No, because he hasn't listened to one of the recent ones. Like, I personally can't do that with a podcast feed. If I was going to hit a podcast feed from the, from the start, I'd probably pick the latest and then start cherry picking my way throughout. Or maybe go down in, in reverse chronological order. I have to start 
Oh my God. Producer yeah. Brody there, if you couldn't hear, said he's a start at number one guy. <laughs> These guys are going to fight yet. Dun, so dun, he says, dun, dun, yeah, dun, so he dun, says dun, he's, he's going one episode at a time without listening to any of the recent ones yet. You helped me on my 27 mile cycle round trip to work each day. I discovered you through THC. Oh, that's weird. Another one. In February. Oh, that's like this, the other guy was THC in February when we were on there. Well, yeah, that's when we were on THC. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they picked two emails. What a synchronicity. <laughs> they both found us on THC in February. That same month we were on THC. <laughs> it's it was a compound. the same day. <laughs> same episode. <laughs> <laughs> and was hooked by Darren's passion about vaccines. Oh, <laughs> I'll give you that. Now it's now it's compound. It's compounded having, from zero he's gonna back hopefully, to Hopefully, okay. Now this is a little bit crazy because he's gonna. The reason I picked this and I had a hard time finding it, and he says at the end, "Oh, okay, I'll, I'll keep going here." I'm up to about t- episode two fifty two, the return of Charles Ortel, and I have no problem with the political views. You guys do what the hell you want. F the haters. I've noticed a marked increase in production quality, and I'm glad to see you have stopped the musical interludes mid-interview. Oh, yeah, that was nice, yeah. Yeah. It, I, the production I, goes down yeah. again for a while. Heads up. Oh, he's yeah. not going to hear this till yeah, it's heads, too late. Yeah, well, yeah. The value goes down. <laughs> People stop supporting. The thing <laughs> I, is, when the value goes back up, they don't start supporting it. Actually, you know what? I'll wait till you're done. Okay. I always chuckle at Graham's strangled, no, come on, really, reaction to the chemtrail jingle. So I hope that's still a thing. I hope Darren has just played it. And a shout out to Felix. Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. chemtrails. And a shout out to Felix. That dude is seriously talented. I tune in for the intro banter and stay on for about 90% of the interviews. My final point is to call to a financial arms to all no non-donating listeners. The boys always say if anyone donated, if everyone donated a buck a month, they would be laughing. So donate a buck a month, you cheap bastards. That's 89 pence in the UK. This is a podcast we cannot lose. If this gets read out on the show, I should hear it in late January at my current pace. Oh, today's the 30th. Did you save it for this? No, see, you see, said you've no, been hanging on to this, so I don't I know, know where but the... I, but I haven't looked in a long time, and right. I decided tonight to look for it. Okay. And it happens to be the last... You can see why day. I'm suspect with your little why? compound synchro. It's like, the, oh, what are the chances? It's vaccines. It's the same as well, the last... <laughs> it's, it's all... I, I remember I was looking for the email, yeah. and I didn't think I'd be able to find it. I thought, maybe I've lost yeah, it. because you've had it put away for the end of the month. No, for months and months I've had it put okay. away. I hope you had a good New Year and survived the winter. Out, Simon. You've had it put away for months? Yeah, man. Since, like, November 4th. You said, I hope you had a good New Year. Oh, because he's not going to hear this. Exactly. This guy's writing to himself in the future. That's fucking crazy. (laughs) Jesus. What's his name? With the CHC, the same as email, the vaccines, which he's going to... give him a six. And he didn't even send in a synchro. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it turned into a Pico. I love it. What's his name? Simon. Thanks, Simon. Simon support. Hashtag UK Posse. Hashtag UK Posse. Actually, there was a thing going on in this. We got like three or four super chats tonight that were all like hashtag paying the rent. Oh, that's that good. That should be in. That's a good hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? I got the UFO quotes of the week. Ugh. You got anything else before that? 
Ah, fuck. Get it over with. Then I'm going to go to the socials. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. I can, uh... Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Hmm. I can also read another email instead, but I guess I'll do the... I'll do the quote, then do your email... And then I'll do the social. Pilot of helicopters. You already got support out of the way, right? Wish to stress fact. The object was of saucer-like nature. Stress the fact or just fact? <laughs> it's just, I'm just reading what it says. The stress fact. Maybe they didn't use the in this context back in 1954. Maybe they, he had a typewriter, so it wasn't so easy to just go back and <laughs> insert it. When they realized that they missed it and hoped that people read it, they would just, you know, pop that in for them. And it was stationary at 2,000 feet. And would be glad to be called upon to verify any statements and act as witness. Yeah, that's weird. That was an emergency report from Maxwell Air Force Base on airspace violation by UFO in 1954. Interesting. Where is that? I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure where Maxwell is. Okay. Want me to read another one? Uh, I know. You can expedite the end of this. And we okay. can get into Charlie Robinson. You keep Robinson's saying book. there's more. There's an end. You keep saying there's an end. I know. I found a couple more I just in the bottom. All right. I believe in the so-called flying saucer, and it is my understanding that the Air Force will pursue studies on this subject. That was Commander Adolfo Alvarez, 1968 Argentinian Defense. Interesting. So I'm just going to type. I'm going to do my counter quote. We we heard the material was coming to right field. It was brought into our material evaluation labs. I don't know how it arrived, but the boys who tested it said it was very unusual. <laughs> That's Brigadier General Arthur E. Exxon. Obviously about Roswell. Obviously. I'll give you the quote of the day for January 30th. I love the Brody's little giggle from the back. <laughs> People don't notice whether it's winter or summer when they're happy. Yeah, if it's minus 50, you notice. Um, I agree with that in general. Do you? Mm-hmm. You would. Anyway. I do have an old email about uh, about the Wikipedia of Mike Adams, the natural, the health ranger. Yeah. And this kind of fits with the topic of vaccines and the sort of attacks and disinformation on anybody who claims something different to the science, the supposed scientific paradigm. So that would include natural health and stuff. So this is from, uh, let me see, Whitney. Uh, can I, uh, can I say his name? This is from Whitney. You'd said his name. I'm listening to your show right now with Charlie Robinson. And after you guys talked about Mike Adams from Natural News being shut down on YouTube, I looked online for details. I clicked on the Wikipedia page about Mike and thought it might be an interesting thing for you to read the intro on an upcoming episode because Wikipedia is so blatantly corrupt and misleading, as you know, but to the point of humor. The the Wikipedia page describing holistic medicine is also fucking hilarious. Natural News, formerly News Target, which is now a separate sister site, is a website for the sale of various dietary supplements, promotion of alternative medicine, controversial nutrition, and health claims. Scientific fake news, 
and various conspiracy theories such as chemtrails and kebphobic claims, including the purported dangers of fluoride in drinking water, antiperspirants, laundry detergent, monosodium glutamate, aspartame, and purported health problems caused by allergic or allegedly toxic ingredients in vaccines. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy conspiracies. Including the now discredited link to autism. <laughs> How perfect is that for this show? To be really? There's a <laughs> the soon to be recredited. <laughs> it also has spread conspiracy theories about the Zika virus allegedly being spread by genetically modified mosquitoes and purported adverse effects of genetically, genetically modified crops, as well as the farming practices associated with the foods derived from them. The site's founder, Michael Allen Mike Adams, was the subject of controversy after posting a blog entry implying a call for violence against proponents of GMO foods, and then allegedly creating another website with a list of names of alleged supporters. He has been accused of using pseudoscience to sell his lies. Adams has described vaccines as medical child abuse, characterized as a conspiracy-minded alternative medicine website. Natural News has approximately 7 million unique visitors per month. Anyway, the last thing I'll say, this is back to his email. Anyway, last thing I say is I've been obsessed with your podcast for the last decade. Well, that's, oh, with podcasts, not ours. But never contributed to them because I suck. Yours is the first podcast I've ever supported monetarily. And you've totally changed my mind about why we should be supporting amazing shows, especially ones spreading truth. Because in addition to taking time and effort and dedication, this kind of work obviously comes at a cost to you. Thanks so much, Whitney. In brackets, from Seattle, the fake progressive city, but at least we have Zach Haller, the shirtless pundit. And Cyrus. <laughs> and Crazy Ryan. Or, I mean, Billy. Well, that turned out to be quite a synchronous email as well. Ugh, you and your synchros. Synchros up bound, email. Thanks, baby. thanks a lot, Whitney. Thanks, Whitney. <laughs> I'm going to have this in my head now. Letter. <laughs> yeah. So, our buddy Addy Harvey, he was the guy who chewed us up about the audio content and the loss of value. Uh, oh. Came back yesterday, said, credit where it's due. Seeing as I was quick to criticize, the intro slash mini interview on the Michael Wan episode was really great. Keep that kind of stuff up and force me to subscribe. Wow. Yeah. That's, we have a, we have a, what do you call it? A, a thing? A thing? Yeah. With what? Turning people around like turning that. Pe <laughs> turning around the haters. <laughs> now uh, we'll do one more here from uh, Gunry. Greetings. I stumbled on you guys after hearing on you, the, hearing you on the Occulture podcast, where I had my podcast virginity popped. 
Started listening to you about three months ago, and I am 258 episodes deep. Was planning on donating once I caught up to you guys in what I predict will be three or four months' time. Come on. How long have I got until the 1,111 names are reached? Lots of love from down under, brothers. Keep up the good work. I thought maybe that was the same guy that emailed so, me. The 1,111, you've probably got uh, about three years at current <laughs> rates. Uh, no, when was that email sent? Uh, that was just like yesterday, I think. Oh, okay. Something like I'm that. I'm trying to link things together here. You're trying, trying you're, to find patterns you're in, in the fucking matrix. synchro mode here. You're just looking for synchros all over this place. You see, that's what I'm talking about. That's dangerous. You're in a dangerous I'm place. I'm joking. Right I'm not really, you know, I'm not really that deep into it. You're on the Michael Wan episode. Can you post the pics of the UFO from the ranch? I heard you mention it a few times, but I wasn't sure where to find them. That's a good point. You think you can get the pictures from Jason? Uh, yep. And we could post them someplace. Yeah, I'll, I'll put them on put Instagram. Put them on the Instagram. Yeah. You got to get on the Instagram. Uh, Bill Nye is a Monsanto employee. <laughs> <laughs> That's about good, then, if you don't have any left. Well, I'm just trying to skip the... Oh, hey, Darren, would you shoot skip a unicorn? Trolling? Might get rainbow meat. I would. I would. With a raven is a good sign of intention and magical doors opening. Raven. Remember we had the the whatever, the... Actually, it wasn't a raven. What did it end up being? The crow? The crow. Yeah. No, it wasn't a crow. It was something else. It was in the that family, though. A rook. A rook. Right. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. We should get a... We should get a bird in here. Some sort of a bird. No, no. And then Brody. I hate birds. <laughs> that bird's not going to last in here. Is he dead? He's fucking making noise and interrupting. A cat, maybe. No. Do we have a cat here? Just leave it all week? Since the studio cat is... <laughs> Stuck here for days on end with no human contact. I don't think that's a good idea either. Um, anything else to get to? It's fucking late. I think it's that's a it. long yep. day. Yep, this was a great chat. It was a fun intro. Great chat with Dell Big Tree. Good one. Support the motherfucker. Grammarica.ca slash support. Share the show. All that good stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff. The chats, like join the chats, man. There's awesome conversations going on in there. You can email stories and sightings and feedback. Leave a voicemail. There's a number in the show notes or send a text. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, there's swag. America.ca slash Redbubble. Yeah, Redbubble. Oh, it's not slash swag anymore? That link's broken. I got to fix the, it. <laughs> is it fixed in the show notes? It's not fixed in the show notes. And do we talk about CAC? We got to talk about CAC. Yeah, 100%. We forgot about that. Okay. We got to talk about that. Here we that. go. So we'll do CAC and then we'll... Then we'll get we'll, out of here. We'll get you out start. Here. So we have contact at the cabin. Really, it's just a big meetup over three stretches of three to four days in May over the Canadian Long Weekend and the American Long Weekend with Randall Carlson. He's going to do some presentations and take us on a little tour. And uh, I'm probably going to do some CE5 protocols, uh, some star watching. We have a huge property with lots of room in the ginormous cabin and some tenting. and Yeah, we're uh, starting to plan out some some of the locations. We're looking at some Chimney Rock and Mesa Verde's there. we got people coming from overseas to join us. People coming from fucking overseas. And we're going to start spreading the word to other podcasts. So if people want to sign up, they got to do it pretty quick. 
Randall's getting ready to go May. on a couple other shows. This is shows. happening. I'm going to be there the whole 10 days. Darren's going to be there for both weekends. Um, the yeah, first weekend is running out fast. Yeah. The first weekend, I think, is out of 10 the spots. The first weekend. No, the last The last weekend. weekend. The yeah, last weekend, I think, is out of 10 spots, if I remember correctly. Um, there's still, or there's maybe one 10 spot left and a couple of bunk spots. But the first weekend's almost filled up, or the third weekend's almost filled up. The last weekend is almost filled up completely. Yeah. There's still spots left in the middle of the week one, and there's still spots left in the first week. So I forgot to tell where it was, I think. It's in Colorado. It's, it's in, well, it's in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, USA. It's like two hours away from Four Corners. Yeah, we're close to Four Corners. There'll be some Four Corner, and for sure, we're actually only like four hours from Albuquerque, too. Really? Yeah. I thought Albuquerque was way south. That's four hours south. Oh. I know I might turn this in like a two week vacation. I've always wanted to drive around yeah, those oh, areas. Like. Um, so anyway, the place is, uh, if you go to hdtravel.me or you can also get there through badcomet.com, um, which is of course a play on Randall's work. Uh, there's a ton of pictures here of, uh, where we're going and chimney rock. And, um, there's a bunch of pictures of the, the venue, which is a, uh, a giant, giant, multi-bedroom, double kitchen, uh, game room, bunk room, all sorts of 122 acres, private lake, all sorts of fun stuff to do there. Um, you know, it's a giant venue. Randall will be at the house. Graham and I will be at the house. All the Grand America family will be at the house. Everyone's going to be at the house together. We're going to go out. We'll have some buses. We're going to take you guys out, do, do a tour one day. We're going to go check out some stuff with Randall. He's going to blow you guys away for a little while. The next day we'll do a little presentation. We'll probably do some live podcasting while we're down there. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, It's going to be great. This is going to be one of those things you're going to be sorry you missed. I'm telling you. Uh, and you know, I was thinking is I was talking to Micah Hanks yesterday or the day before. And he was saying, he's like, you know, he's like, cause he did a couple uh, paradigms and he was like, the, the, he's like, so many people just want to wait till the last minute, wait till yep. the last minute, wait till the last minute. And that's understandable. I mean, yeah, I, I get know. it. I get it. But, but you, uh, oh, but you can put a down payment down, right? Yeah, you can put reserve a deposit, a room, right? You don't have to pay the whole thing. So you don't end up missing it because I mean, once we go, once we open this thing up, like Randall's going on a couple shows here in like a week or two, a couple other shows with some fairly big audiences to talk about this. So, I mean, it's feasible that this thing could could you know i mean when you talk about it it's a third sold out the other third is only 50 spots so you know a couple busy days or a busy week and those could be cut in half you know doesn't take long to sell 25 spots or yeah it's not a big thing it's, it's not a, it's a, it's not a big thing event, and you know? there's a very limited seating and once it's gone it's gone there's no we can't we can't add any more seats it's 25 seats per per uh group and that's that's it so uh badcomet.com Check it out. Have a look. Uh, everything you need is there. You can go through it. There's a registration form. There's a bunch of pictures. Or you could just email Alan directly as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CAC2019 at hdtravel.me. So that's CAC2019. At hdtravel.me. Uh, we're going to have Randall on here right away to talk about it uh, as well. Again, yeah. Yeah. Do a little show with him and we'll talk about that actual area and all that fun stuff. It's going to be great. You guys are not going to want to miss this. And, uh, yeah. But let's make this a thing so we can keep making it a thing. Yeah, it would be nice to do something like that every year, really. Absolutely, with a yeah. different guest. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's about all we got, guys. That's all we got this week. 
Enjoy the chat with Del Big Tree. And thanks for your support. And thanks for your support. special episode tonight we've got del bigtree with us he's an award-winning producer a filmmaker investigative medical journalist he's the host of highwire and uh, he helped produce uh, vaxxed the co- from cover up to catastrophe i think most of you have heard of that movie so thanks so much for joining us tonight del hey thanks for having me it's, it's, it's always a pleasure yeah it's been uh it's been you know we've been talking about doing another one of these shows for a long time and it seems like it's the timing is actually pretty good because I feel like it's, it's ramping up a little bit on both sides. I feel like there's a bunch of people. Um, I just read an article today that, you know, there's less people getting vaccinated in some areas and, um, and, uh, state of emergency. And, and yet mm-hmm. there's also a huge pushback, uh, from the mainstream media, of course. I mean, you know, attacking yourself and, and other people, uh, you know, anti-vaxxers labeling anybody that doesn't, uh, you know, believe in, in that extreme vaccination to be an anti-vax and all that, just like they label, label us in other ways. Yeah. I mean, how dare we uh, question the pharmaceutical industry? They've been so forthcoming throughout, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. all the centuries they've been in our lives, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, right there, anti-vax or the fact. Oh, you've frozen up. Everybody one category. It's a very, very diverse group of from different directions, different places, you yeah. know, and, and I think the thing that they don't want to talk about is it's really the body of the movement is ex-vaxxers, people who profoundly believed in vaccines and then oh. either their child was injured or they were injured and, and, uh, and they've shipped. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, before we get to it, I did want to thank you because it is a, uh, it's not a fun position to take, you know, like. We've got a relatively small audience compared to to the things like people like you and Ty and uh, Andrew and uh, you know it's not a fun. I mean, I've made the mistake of of commenting on like a, a CBC fucking article or something like that, and then you know all of a sudden you log back in a couple minutes later. This was before I deleted my Facebook account. You know, you log back in and people are calling you every name in the book because, you know, you stated some fact and it's like, you know, you guys must be seeing that on a, on a hyper level. And I just, you know, I commend you guys for being able to, to put up, put up with that because it's not a fun, it's not a fun topic to argue about. Yeah, I I guess I would, I, I don't feel like I had a choice when I got involved in this. I, um, I felt like I in some ways I feel like I was, it was predestined that this was what I was supposed to do. I 
had a wild ride of trying to become a filmmaker and coming to Hollywood and selling screenplays and somehow, you know, backed my way into this medical talk show called The Doctors and, uh, and then ended up producing that. I won an Emmy Award. And, you know, I remember sitting at my desk and, and reading medical journals for the next story I was going to do and, and laughing and thinking, if I could go back and visit my 18-year-old self and say, in your future, you're going to be reading medical journals, I probably would have <laughs> died laughing. Um, but then, you know, I really enjoyed working on that show and, you know, investigating great science, great medicine, great doctors. I mean, it was a really, you know, the show is called The Doctors on CBS. and I got to find like the cutting edge surgeon in the world on some issue and somebody that really needed, you know, like had a rare problem that only this one doctor could, could fix and then bring them together and he'd donate the surgery or the procedure. And, you know, it was like this Santa Claus job really, where you just change people's lives. It was really great. And, um, and I say that because a lot of times people will say I'm anti-science because I dare to question vaccines. And the truth is, is I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely pro-science, but um, science has changed. I mean, and, and I thought it was only vaccines and we won't get deep into it. But when you go really as a journalist and you really only focus on one story like I have, which is vaccines, you start recognizing that there's other issues that are using the same playbook. Yep. Um, but, you know, so I was working on this talk show and then I stumbled upon a story like any good journalist of a whistleblower at the CDC who was saying that they were committing scientific fraud on the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine studies. And they know it causes autism. And I was like, whoa, what's happening here? Um, and just by a set of either extreme coincidences or miracles or whatever you, you know, however you want to put it, I found myself down in Austin, Texas, looking at 10,000 documents that this scientist had come forward with from the CDC, one of our leading scientists, proving that they'd committed scientific fraud. And in 2000 to 2004, they covered up a study that had shown that the MMR vaccine indeed increases your risk of autism. And there was something about that moment that, you know, the the failed movie career that turned into a, a you know a medical journalist producer Emmy winning career, all of a sudden all of it started making sense. And then I think there's this this added factor where my father was a you know a very motivational uh, minister and and that part of it I, I do so much public speaking now that you know I, I guess I you know you kind of turn into your parents a little bit, but <laughs> all of those things came together for what's turning out to be a very unique experience. And, you know, to your point, yes, we come under a lot of attack. Um, and it really isn't, it's not, it doesn't bother you that you're being attacked. What's bothersome is how incredibly, um, how, I want to say gullible or how misled the population is that, to hear this, this the, the vitriol happening in Washington over 30 people with measles. I mean, 30. Let's think about this. They've, they've declared a state of emergency because 30 people, most of them from like the same church that don't vaccinate, are having four days of a rash and a fever, and they're going to be just fine. And that, that over-dramatization, that sense, that, you know, that sensation they're creating around that, 
And the fact that regular citizens in America are buying into it, you start to wonder what chance we have if we are that easily manipulated. And to see the science I've seen, to spend three years reading all the studies when your pediatrician saying, oh, vaccines are safe. They've never read them. They just heard in school that there are thousands of studies that said that vaccines don't cause autism, vaccines don't cause multiple sclerosis, they're safe, they're effective, they're safe and effective. Science is settled. This is settled. Well, I've never read this. And to know the truth um, and see the lies that people are regurgitating back at each other, um, it's more of just a frustration than than being upset. I, I get why pharma is calling me names. I get why the news uh, media that um, is funded by pharma is calling me names. I'm just shocked at how incredibly desperate and terrified what I once thought were an, an intelligent modern society that, that, that we could find ourselves in this position. Yeah. 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 It's like they're waiting for the perfect opportunity here. It's like, all of a sudden this measles outbreak and they're saying it's a perfect example of, you know, how parents put their own kids at risk. I mean, they're really using this as a prime example to talk about, um, you know, all these anti-vaxxers here and out of 35 cases, 31 of them, you know, haven't vaccinated. I mean, but it's like, what, so what, what, what is the current, uh, in your opinion, cause Google's not going to give me a real answer. What would you say the current, uh, the death rate of measles in a first world country would be? <laughs> Well, let's just, so, so everything that I talked about, uh, you know, on my show, The High Wire, which people can watch on YouTube or Facebook or you know, all, all over the internet, I never quote anything that isn't actually published science. Yeah. We have no way of really knowing what the current rate of measles would be. What we know is, you know, in the, in the last 10 or 15 years, there's been maybe one death from all the outbreaks that have been hyped from Disneyland and the rest. And that's, an immunosuppressed, you know, cancer patient that was not healthy. Um, but the numbers are that the CDC has on its own website are this. Before there was ever a vaccine for measles, it killed one in 500,000 Americans. So just do the math on that. That's like 0.0000001% of society ever died from measles. Now, they'll tell you the number you'll hear is it's like one to two per thousand die. And so that's the type of thing I investigate. Like, where are they coming up? How is it on CNN? They're saying one to two out of a thousand. And by the way, one, that one to two is a hundred percent increase. That's a double. They throw out double, two numbers. They literally <laughs> double it. You know, like as though oh, it's one or two. Well, which is it? Because we were talking about a massive difference. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but you go to the website and you look at the CDC, you look at historical records, and what it says is it was one out of every, um, of the, there was like usually about 10,000 reported cases or so, or, or based on the numbers. On the reported cases, it would be one in, ten, in, one in a thousand. But what they said was nobody used to report it because it was such a trivial childhood illness their assumptions are that it was about 5 million people per year in America would get the um, measles and 500 of the very sick would die. And so that's one in 10,000. It's not one in a thousand. Um, I mean, that, I mean, it's one in a thousand. It's not one. Hold on. Let me get my numbers right here. 500 out of 5 million is one in 10,000. 
That's that's the actual number of deaths. It's and if you think about it, one in ten thousand is exactly the same number at that time that autism was. And yeah. we say that we say one in ten thousand. What that really means is pretty much zero, non-existent. Autism was almost non-existent in the nineteen sixties. Uh, then we have a measles vaccine, and we say that we've eradicated measles, and people aren't going to die anymore at the one in ten thousand rate. And over the years, our autism rate has climbed from that one in 10,000 to now one in 32 children in America is being diagnosed with autism and somewhere in the neighborhood of one in 22 to 24 boys. Um, and so you got to ask yourself, we all the media, I mean, it's not just Washington, CNN, like national news stations are screaming, you know, black plague over 30 people with this trivial childhood illness up in Washington, like the end of the world is coming, yet not a single report on the fact that the autism has officially increased to one in 32. Yeah. And is that like a million that, percent, you know, that that's, that's crazy. That's an outrageous number. And that's a lifelong debilitating uh, illness that changes your life forever. Now, isn't, isn't there cares. also, isn't there also a number of, of deaths from vaccines as well? I mean, I've heard people, Mentioning that. Yes. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. When I travel around the country, people will say they believe that they're perfectly safe. They're being sold this bumper sticker slogan that vaccines are safe. They're safe. I just saw a CNN report. No, I think it was like Good Morning America. And they're like, you know, you're putting everybody at risk by not vaccinating. And the, and the science is in. Vaccines are safe. Well, I, that's probably my greatest work is I, we've essentially proven that's not true. Yeah. True. The last two years, we challenged Health and Human Services. We put together a 37-page document that laid out from the fact that there's never been a single safety study uh, of the childhood vaccines we inject into our children. What I mean by that is they have never done a trial for a vaccine where they compared it to a placebo, which is the only way to actually determine safety. You can talk to the top scientists that are yammering at you from the CDC, HHS, but if you really beat around the bush with them long enough, they will finally have to admit to you, well, you're right, to actually know the amount of injuries or to know if it's safe, we would need a placebo control stop. A study, but don't do it. And they say it is because it would be unethical to do a safety study. And maybe you've heard your doctor say that. Some, you know, sometimes they'll just be totally out of it and say, no, they do placebo studies. They're proven safe. Uh, if they're educated, they'll say, well, no, we can't do a safety study because we're unethical. What that means is they believe, they have this religious belief that vaccines are so fantastic, even a brand new one that, you know, is trying to do something we've never done before, like cure cancer. When you look at the HPV vaccine, Gardasil, when that was going through trials, that should have been tested against a placebo, uh, an inert placebo. But what they're saying is we believe this vaccine is going to be so great for society that we don't want to have a group of girls that just received the placebo <laughs> while the others are getting the vaccine. That would just be morally wrong. Wow. Instead, it's morally correct. Filled with some of the most dangerous amounts and, and forms of aluminum ever injected in the body, uh, you know, and, and a multitude of other, you know, polysorbate 80 and, you know, a, animal proteins and you name it it's a it's a cocktail it's it's like any drug i mean it's just like any, can you imagine having a drug come on the market that's never existed before and them saying ah oh, we didn't test it for safety because we unethical and and balance that with drugs 
Now, we know that cancer patients who are dying, you know, plead and beg, please just let me have that trial drug. I don't I mean, what I'm going to die. I want to try it. What difference does it make? And we say no. The FDA says absolutely not. We have to uphold the standard and make sure it's safe for you, even though you're dying of AIDS or cancer. Yet they use the opposite point when we're giving a product to a perfectly healthy child who has no problems whatsoever, who is living on the planet just like we were designed, who never really thought that HPV was an issue, and their parents and their grandparents that never had a vaccine for HPV ever and lived to be you know, 80 years old. You know, so it's just insane. So let's talk about the numbers. How many people actually are dying from vaccines? You know, the way I address this topic when I go and talk to politicians is I always start the conversation out the same way. I say, would you uh, mandate penicillin on every single citizen that gets an infection? And use, most of them are educated enough to say, well, of course not. And I say, well, why? And say, well, because some people are allergic to penicillin, they could die. Oh, okay, very interesting. You do recognize that a vaccine is a pharmaceutical product just like penicillin. In fact, it has live wild viruses in it and bacteria in it, aluminum and mercury and formaldehyde. So, you know, you have to imagine that whatever you think of vaccines, we've actually never found a single substance we can inject into people where they're not going to have, someone's going to have an allergic reaction. In fact, I'll take it one step further. We can't find a piece of food on this planet that everybody in a gymnasium could eat where someone's not going to have an allergic reaction to it. So I'm not here to discuss whether or not vaccines injure and kill. I'm here to discuss how many are we injuring and killing? And what is your threshold? Because you must accept that a, a mandatory vaccine program in your state, in your country, is killing innocent children. There are innocent children who could have gone on to be president of the United States, maybe the next great scientist to find a new way to deal with infectious disease. They're going to be dead because of a vaccine. That's a fact. Um, and the numbers, and when we start looking, our challenge with Health and Human Services and the National Institute of Health was how do you know what the numbers are? What is the data collection? How is the data being collected? Because you have to imagine, if we are not doing safety studies on 16 vaccines given in 72 doses to our children by the time they're 18, then how do we know if a new vaccine actually is dangerous? If we didn't test it, and suddenly we're giving it to millions of children or teenagers in the, in the case of Gardasil, what surveillance systems in place to capture if there's actually girls being killed or harmed? I mean, right now, the greatest surveillance system is YouTube. Unfortunately, if you go to YouTube and you punch in Gardasil injury, you'll see tens of thousands of girls who have been crippled by the vaccine that wow. are, have died from the vaccine, that are having ovarian failure from the vaccine, that are having syncope. They're passing out and falling downstairs. I have a relative, a niece that's going through that. And so why is it that the medical establishment is able to say to us, Gardasil is perfectly safe and not not only should every girl get it, every boy should now get it too. Well, that's a problem. And so let's talk about the only surveillance system there really is. 
to try and get to the numbers. All right. Mm -hmm. The only surveillance system that exists in America is called VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And in 2016, so this is the system by which if you go to your doctor, they give your baby a vaccine and that afternoon your baby starts having seizures into the night, then you're supposed to go back to your doctor and say, my baby's having seizures from the vaccine. And then the doctor will put that on bears and say, I gave them the DTaP vaccine or the seven vaccines we gave them today, list them out. And, and in fact, even on the insert wrapped around the vaccine that arrives, it says, if there's a reaction, any reaction at all, post it to VAERS so we can collect data instead. VAERS in 2016, which is the last year we really looked at all the numbers. So in one year in America alone, VAERS reported 59,711 reported vaccine injuries. 432 of those were deaths, 10,000 emergency room visits, and all sorts of other things that you can search into that. But I think 432 deaths is higher than most people would expect. Yep. I don't think we knew we were killing 432 people a year with vaccines, which, by the way, is about how many people were dying from measles in the 1960s when millions of people would get measles, a trivial childhood illness. So have we just traded it off? You say, well, then it's a trade. You know, I would say right there, you can tell that the risk reward, it's, it's, a, it's a toss up. Yeah. It's a toss up. So whether you want the vaccine and risk death from measles itself, the vaccine itself, except that there's things that to me make natural immunity so much better. Like the fact that once I've had measles, I'm going to be immune for life. My entire life, I will never have to get come in contact or worry about measles. In fact, I could rush into Washington and go into any hospital or go into this church and treat those children and never worry about it, unlike most doctors who are concerned because the vaccine wears off. They know it after about 10 years. For, for those that really get lucky, maybe it lasts 20 years. So if we vaccinate, we're going to keep getting that vaccine over and over again. And by the way, now increasing our risk, right? Every time I'm going in, I'm risking getting an injury, but it actually gets worse. When we look at 59,711 injuries and 432 deaths, the CDC paid Harvard Medical School to see if they could automate theirs. The idea being, you know, it looks like there may be underreporting. Could you automate the system so that as soon as there's an injury, whatever it is, whether it's seizures or diabetes or, you know, passing out, that it would just immediately get registered onto the system so that science, we could really gather it. And why is that? They said, we'd like to actually know, you know, what is, what is the rate that people are reporting to bears? And so Harvard looked into all of that and they were paid a million dollars to study the bears system. And here's what they discovered, that the VAERS system is only capturing 1% of the total injuries. No way. I was going to ask you if, it, if there was a 1%. chance that it was underreported, but that's There's crazy. Multiple studies. There was a study by our Congress that found the same thing, that doctors aren't using it. There are doctors that don't even know about it, who are giving vaccines every day. So Health and Human Services now quotes that saying, well, they'll say to you, we say, we want to study from bears. We want to look into that database. You know what they'll say? Oh, you can't trust that database because of the underreporting is so bad. None of that information really means anything. So if we're at 1% with 59,000, that means that in 2016, there were 5.9 million injuries yeah. from vaccine. That means that perhaps 432 deaths is actually 43,000 deaths and 10,000 emergency room visits 
becomes a million emergency room visits. Yeah, you now could take a zero no, off of that, and that's crazy. Even if you just right. let's lowball that and just call it, uh, let's say it's ten percent, you're still right. at four. You know that you're timesing everything by ten right there. Right, and so Harvard then, so they say, well, okay, you have a serious problem. So they did automate it. They they practiced it on their own Harvard Pilgrim insurance system to see if they could get all the doctors in their system to have an automatic reporting system, and it worked. They got it up and running. And they gave about, I think it was like 35,000 doses of vaccines during the course of what they looked at with this automated system. And 10% of them were injured. They were reporting injuries, 10%, one wow. in 10. Not one in 1,000, not one in 10,000, not one in a million. One in 10 were being injured. And so do you think the CDC said, thanks a lot, Harvard, thank you very much. Let's go ahead and just bring the entire national bear system online so that we can collect this really important data? No. What the CDC did, and you can read the report from Harvard, they said once we got it working and everything was up and running and we'd worked out all the problems, the CDC stopped returning our phone calls. They stopped returning our emails and we never ever heard from them again. They paid us a million dollars. And then when they found out that the reporting system, when it worked, showed that there were one in 10 injuries, they just bailed on their million and they bailed on the study and they never talked to us again. So there's where you're at. You're, you have government agencies that are literally deciding, let's just stick our heads in the sand and act like we never saw that. Yeah. That there aren't any, well, we, we can, and here's how it works. They will say, if you really listen to the language, there are no studies that prove that vaccines cause autism. Yeah. There are no studies that prove that Tdap vaccine can lead to you know, multiple sclerosis or something like that. What they're saying is, if we refuse to do studies, then we can keep saying there are no studies that prove that point, even though hundreds of thousands of parents around the world are lining up and saying, I watched my child with my own eyes get the MMR vaccine or the DTaP vaccine and had a high fever that night, started having seizures through the evening. I rushed to the hospital. They told me it was going to be okay. looked like brain swelling. Then they stopped, started slurring their speech, stopped speaking, lost the ability to walk. And now they're 18 years old and they're in diapers and they, they, they can't communicate. You know how many people tell that story and to have the CDC say, well, there's no proof that that's the case. Yeah. Isn't there? Because uh, they refuse to look. Yeah. Isn't there even some, uh, I thought I was, I thought I was reading, um, in uh, Humphreys, was it? I forget her. Suzanne Humphreys. Suzanne Humphreys. Yeah, I think I thought I was reading her book that it was that there was even some studies that pointed to um, exposure to the measles having some sort of uh, anti-cancer properties. Yes, yes. There's there's fascinating information like that. Yeah, there are certain cancers you won't get if you have the measles. There's certain heart conditions you won't get if you have the measles. Uh, someone said to me the other day, we were in a debate of someone that's actually on my side. And they said, you know, um, I don't believe God created infectious disease. I said, what? I totally disagree. I said, I told there's no Satan created infectious disease. I was like, I don't believe that because we know through the science we're looking at, there are so many benefits to having a disease. Uh, you know, for instance, um, if you had tuberculosis, you came in contact with tuberculosis before you're 12 years old, you cannot get multiple sclerosis. You know, you cannot, you know, there right now there's a fascinating 
um, study and it, 100% effective, a scientist out of Boston is using a tuberculosis vaccine, which is just a wild tuberculosis strain, and injecting it into type 1 diabetics, and their diabetes corrects itself three years later. Wow. And I interviewed her, and you know, she would normally, people would say, well, she's on the opposite side. In fact, a lot of the, the extreme, you know, um, I would say uh, vaccine abolitionists, I'm not one of those, really attacked me. How could you have this doctor on you know, selling a vaccine on your show. I said, because I told you from the beginning, I'm about science. I'm not telling you there's one size fits all. I don't believe vaccines should ever be used or anything like that. What I'm saying is currently I won't touch a single vaccine because they've never been through a safety study. And I'm looking at reports that show they're extremely dangerous. But this woman um, was fascinating. And I asked her, I said, you know, is it possible based on what you're finding? And, and by the way, uh, they're having the same thing in, in Europe. They're doing studies where they're injecting uh, tuberculosis vaccine and curing um, uh, multiple sclerosis within about two or three years. Wow. And I said, so th- doesn't that lead us to the idea that tuberculosis actually had a, was a, a benefit, benefit to the human species? And this woman from like Boston University or, or said, absolutely. That's absolutely what it is. She says all the antibacterial soaps and all our destruction. We used to have tuberculosis in all of our water, in the earth, everywhere we went. It's the most ubiquitous uh, bacteria there is. And we were in contact with it from the dawn of man. So, yes, removing it from our environment has been has created a rise in autoimmune disease. And it was fascinating. I was fascinated how many people that usually follow me were screaming at me and not listening to what this person who was supposedly from the other side was saying. In fact, a very similar study came out from a knighted um, um, scientist in the UK just last week who said that he's trying to create, listen to this, he's trying to create um, a yogurt for children because he's recognized that cancer and leukemia is at an all-time high And he's discovered the reason is that our children are not having an infection in the first year of life. He said the body needs to prime itself. These are the words from his mouth. The body needs to prime itself for disease. And if the child does not get an infection in the first year of life, then it is it's, it's a skyrocketing risk from there of getting a, a cancer in the future. Yeah, wow. Now, he said everything except that about he never mentioned the word vaccines because it'd be the end of him and they would fire him immediately. But that's exactly the point. We're messing with nature yeah. and it's not working for us. Yeah, it's the same thing. What was well, it we just well, read about the peanuts and, well, here's, and the peanut no, allergies was, and uh, the pregnant, like pregnant women? The guy on Rogan. Yeah, we've increased. It, it was, uh, I forget his name, yeah. but the study was basically that... Uh, if he did a study of so many women, Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. If he did a study of so many women, the women that followed the FDA or whoever in the USA gives the protocols for peanuts, if they yeah. followed the no peanuts during pregnancy um, the advice, the peanut allergy rate was 19%. If they ignored the advice and ate nuts, the peanut allergy rate was 3%. Right. Right. I, I remember uh, there was a similar study like that that was like if you feed your kid peanuts within the first year of life, you know, they were they had like a, a rate of peanut allergies, something around like two or three percent. And if you waited as the as the uh, I think it was the Pediatric Association had said till after three years old, it was again like 19, 20 percent allergies to peanuts. I was working on the doctors. I remember 
And these are the type, this is how my brain works. You know, I saw that study and it came out of the UK. They suddenly said, we just took a thousand children and we divided them into two groups. 500 got peanuts for the, in the first year of life. And the other 500, we waited till after three years old. And we proved that the risk of, you know, was minimal. You almost had no peanut allergies in the group that started eating peanuts in the first year of life. And, and then again, like 20, 20 something percent if they waited until after three years old. And so they said, so, and, my, and the doctors show, my executive producer's like, this is a huge breakthrough, Dell. We got a report on this. I mean, look <laughs> at this. It's amazing. They're changing everything we know about peanuts for, you know, the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. And I said, that's not the story. To me, that, that's not the story. The story is when we started writing books and MA started writing books, the pediatric association started writing books and every pediatrician started telling us, stop feeding your kid peanuts for the first year of life. Stop eating pregnant women peanuts while, you know, while they're pregnant. Didn't we all assume someone had done something as simple as take 1,000 kids, 500 in this group and 500 in that group and actually prove their point? They didn't. Because that's the way science, this is the way this science works. It's not science. No, no. It's conjecture and it's theory. And they don't. I mean, that's the easiest study known to man. It had never been done. How shocking is that? Yep. yep. And I mean, look at, I mean, to me, it's as simple as just looking at your child mortality rates. I mean, I mean, so if we if, if the West has the best medicine and the best, we've got, you know, these great facilities where we can do a C-section or, you know, which has its own problems, or we can do this, that, or the other thing. So, I mean, our infant mortality rates should be, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in the world. And instead, you know, we got the USA and Canada. I mean, the last time I checked, I think we were coming in at 33 and 34 yeah. or something like that. No, we in America, the stats are horrific. And, and that's one of the things I say when I'm, you know, when I'll meet a scientist, they will say, you realize you're putting children at risk or why are you doing this? And I say, because our children are at risk from something. We have the sickest children we've ever seen. The actual facts are in America, we have more babies die on the first day of life than every other industrialized nation combined. In fact, 50% more die in America than every other industrialized nation. Yeah. We have more babies die in the first year of life than every other industrialized nation. Meaning, you know, the top uh, financial countries that have finances in our first world nation, we're in last place. We, I remember there's an article like six months ago, you're 70% more likely to die in America before you reach the age of 18 than every other industrialized <laughs> oh nation. Oh my God. All right, 70% more likely to die. So I say with stats like that, Shouldn't somebody be questioning something? And, and how is it possible? I, I worked on the doctor show. Don't get me wrong. We do have the best doctors in the world. We have the best hospital systems in the world. So why is it we cannot keep a baby alive? And that's where I look at the, you take those same nations and they do not have this insane vaccine program we yeah. have. Yeah. It's totally opt-in. Sweden's right up there on the top and so is Japan. And they, they, you know, they recommend vaccines, but you don't have to get them. And I'll tell you one thing they're not doing. They're not injecting a hepatitis B vaccine in their babies on the first day of life. Exactly. You just, know, I'd like to just give a couple examples in case I'm sure people are wondering just a couple of a couple of examples of the countries that are ahead of uh, the United States uh, in infant mortality. Where are we here? Oh, I lost my place. Dang it, I'm the worst at this. <laughs> uh, we got Latvia. Yeah. 
Spain, South Korea, Czech Republic, Luxembourg, Slovenia, and Iceland is top of the list. Iceland yeah. has the best. Yeah, it, uh, uh, Slovakia, Hungary, countries that you wouldn't expect to be ahead of uh, the U.S. on the. Yeah. You have to imagine that we have a better medical system than Hungary, right? You do. You just, so what could possibly be different? Uh, a lot of those countries don't even have like environmental protection agents. You know what I mean? They, they have children still mining, you know, in, in caves, and yet they have fewer children dying than we do. I mean, it's something's gone wrong. And I, I believe personally, when you put those, you, when you take those countries and you line up their vaccine programs, it almost coincides with the numbers as they go. And like I said, if you have more babies dying on the first day of life, shouldn't you question the idea that we're giving hep B? Hepatitis B is just like AIDS, okay? This is AIDS. It's a blood illness. It's a disease you can only get if you're sharing heroin needles or sleeping with prostitutes. Right, right. Now, I don't know how anyone's planning on raising their baby, but my baby hopefully will never be involved in that type of lifestyle, but it's not going to happen for a really long time. What is the rush? Yeah, yeah. And when we ask them, just stop that hepatitis B vaccine on day one, they refuse. Yeah. And there's more on day one, isn't there? Is, is, yes. Well, yeah. you get a vitamin K shot, which yeah. is a huge hit of aluminum. And, and then hepatitis B has got one of the highest levels of aluminum we've ever we've ever seen just so that people, and I do think, I think aluminum is really one of the major smoking guns. Yeah. In this yeah. Whole yeah. Cause isn't there so, a bunch of studies that show how aluminum does affect the oh, brain? Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was something like that hep V shot is like, uh, five times what they say a grown man should eat, eat, or it should, that, should yeah. digest not in a needle in a, in a day. For aluminum? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's, that's how we do science here in America. There has never, ever been a study using a placebo group again where we injected aluminum. We've never done a study injecting aluminum into the human body. All of our confidence that it's safe is based on a rat study where we fed them aluminum. And what we came out with was that 25 micrograms of aluminum was the toxic limit a child could eat in one day, 25 micrograms to eat. Now, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist. People say, what's your credentials, Della? I was like, common sense is mostly my credentials. So let's just think this through. So you're saying that because the maximum load I can eat, if I eat more than 25 micrograms, my kid eats more than 25 micrograms, alone, then it really becomes a toxic issue. And it's a no neurotoxin. It can make your brain swell. We know that. So you're saying it's safe up to 25 micrograms to eat, except that this hepatitis B vaccine is being injected. Don't we all, do you really need a doctor to tell you that injecting is probably more toxic than eating? When we eat it, it goes into our stomach. We have a processing system. It's an open system. It'll come out in our urine. It'll come out in our feces. It goes through our body. When you inject it, it is trapped in your muscle. It's trapped in your bloodstream. It doesn't go anywhere. There is no elimination process by which your body knows how to get it out. So clearly, eating something and injecting it is totally different. And people say, oh, I mean, look, at, I could eat peanut butter, but if I inject peanut butter in my bloodstream, I have a problem. You know what I mean? To just put it simply. Or even just try so oxygen. We're not injecting the same 25. Right. Imagine injecting that same 25 micrograms in that child. You'd have to think if it's toxic, if they eat one microgram more, injecting 25 micrograms should be really dangerous. 
Yeah. Well, that hepatitis B vaccine given to even preemies that are only like three pounds, like this big, they'll give it on the first day. They don't care. They don't care if you're a month early, you're still getting this vaccine on the first day in America. You're being a NICU and we're going to give you this vaccine. It doesn't have 25 micrograms. Oh, it doesn't have 50. It doesn't have 100. It doesn't have 150. It has 250 micrograms of aluminum in it. 10 times the amount ever proved to be eaten by a child being injected into a baby that is sometimes this big. Yeah. And you know how many NICU nurses tell us that the doctor will say, get the crash bed, they'll bring over a crash cart with the oxygen ready and ready to intubate when they're about to inject a preemie in the NICU because they know they're going to go into cardiac arrest. Jeez. And that, I mean, that aluminum, I was reading, I mean, they all end up fucking redacted, it seems like, by some strange coincidence, these studies get redacted. Um, but I was reading something, a couple studies out of Europe that were saying something that out of, it was like 10 out of 10, um, 10 out of 10 or 12 out of 12 autopsies of the brains of autistic oh. kids uh, had, you know, four, oh. five, six times the aluminum levels that uh, in the frontal lobe or something like that. Then are you aware so, of those studies? I am. I, I interviewed Dr. Christopher Exley, uh, who is the world's premier scientist on aluminum. This is a guy who got out of college, was really into fishing and and then started wondering why the fish were dying from acid rain. And that led him to aluminum. And for 35 years, he's studied nothing but aluminum, obviously started working into how it affects human beings. And as we all know, we live in the aluminum age. And what's interesting, so he did the, the, uh, the premier study that many of us refer to about Alzheimer's. He dissected a bunch of, uh, he got brains from Alzheimer's patients. And when he dissected them, he discovered the highest level of aluminum we have ever seen in a human brain uh, up until that point. And when I was interviewing him, I said, um, you know, so does that mean uh, that aluminum, do you believe that aluminum then does lead to Alzheimer's? He said, no, my actual statement was no aluminum, no Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. And so he did never, he's, he's, He's still pro-vaccine. He just, you know, but so many people are saying, will you please look at the aluminum in the autistic brains of children? Because there's so much aluminum in the vaccines. If, if Alzheimer's is, is being caused by it, certainly shouldn't we look at, at uh, autism? And so he did. Just over about a year and a half ago, he dissected five brains. It was the most that anyone would give him. And what he reported was that every, all five of those brains had aluminum levels higher than all of the Alzheimer's brain. So the previous winner of most aluminum so brain breaking records was all over beat the place. out, beat oh. out by autism. And he said, here's the things that were the most shocking. I had a brain of a, I believe it was a 13 year old boy who had autism and his levels were higher than the entire body of Alzheimer's whose average age was 65 years old. How was it that a 13 year old brain could be getting a lifelong amount collection of aluminum that was affecting these elderly. And what he said was also different. The aluminum in Alzheimer's was around the outside, sort of clinging to the outsides of the brain's tissue. In the uh, autism, they found it inside the cells, inside what they called the glia cells, your white blood cells. These are your, you know, the, the, the cells that heal you. And his, the theory that many scientists around the world are now 
looking into is that they think what's happening is when we're injecting this aluminum into usually your shoulder, your arm, your leg, that our white blood cells have something called the macrophage. The macrophage are sort of like the vacuum cleaners. They go and eat up toxins in your body and then try and process them and clear them out. Well, they're gobbling up the aluminum, but it's not getting out of the body because of other contents like polysorbate 80, which, which breaks down your blood-brain barrier. So these white blood cells that are supposed to be healthy are going to your brain to try and heal and keep your body healthy, but they're carrying aluminum up into the brain cells. And there's a lot of studies looking at that right now. And you have an amazing scientist up in Canada, in British Columbia, Dr. Christopher Shaw, who has done some fantastic aluminum studies on mice and, uh, and rats. And his story is very interesting because he was brought in uh, and started looking at Lou Gehrig's disease. That was sort of a specialty of his because Lou Gehrig's disease was very similar to what we were calling Gulf War syndrome. And we had people going to the Gulf. Uh, we all know Gulf War syndrome, this debilitating disease. But what he found curious and started his studies is we were having people getting Gulf War syndrome that had never been to the Gulf. So at first we believed it was like depleted uranium or things that we're using in the bombs or they're around, you know, the burning oil fields, all of these theories. But then we started having soldiers and the rate of, of Lou Gehrig's was, I think, something like um, seven times the amount in, of the standard population. So a 700% increase in Lou Gehrig's disease in soldiers. Essentially, you know, locked in on aluminum uh, being the cause, and the military gets a lot of aluminum. They get a lot of vaccines, more than anybody else. And so he started running studies, and then it hit him, geez, if this is happening to adult men and we're watching this regression into this you know, neurological disorder, what's it doing to our children in the, in the vaccine program? And so then he lowered the doses to mimic the childhood vaccine schedule in America in his mice. And then he did the Swedish schedule uh, in a group of mice. And then he used a placebo. Think of that, a placebo, a saline injection for the mice. And it was clear off the charts. The, the ones that got the saline injection were perfectly healthy mice. The Swedish had a couple of, you know, a couple of mice would show some cognitive issues, but the ones that were getting the American vaccine schedule were showing clear signs of what they call autism-like behaviors. We're lost the ability to be, you know, to complete the mazes it was doing before the vaccinations. Lost uh, social, uh, where it wouldn't sit with the group of mice anymore, would just sit on its own, isolated. All sorts of things like that. Would Barbary, where it would start biting and pulling the hair out of all the, so sort of a, an aggression came out of them. And if you, when you look at these studies, and then you listen to how parents describe autism in a child, some of which the extreme forms are dealing with Real aggression problems, especially as the kids get to be into their teenage years, very, very difficult situation. But that's just, that's Chris Shaw. And then you have Roman Girardi looking at the delivery system of aluminum once it's injected and how it's traveling to the brain. And amazing studies by a guy named Zibin Yao out of China, who actually was educated in America, uh, showing the same thing, autism-like features in mice and rats. Um, we have a serious problem here, a really, really serious problem. 
Well, and, what do they say to all this? I mean, what's their answer to the evidence that aluminum has this causes this much damage? I mean, do they say, is there another type of aluminum? Like it doesn't match the same thing. I mean, are they trying to, or do they just completely ignore it and just, well, that's what Chris Shaw said. He said, once I did that study with the mice and the childhood vaccine schedule, he said, I expected to be attacked. And instead, no one ever no. mentioned it. Yeah. It was published in a journal and they just ignored it. Yeah. And yeah. when you bring it up to guys like Paul Offit or Stanley Plotkin or, uh, you know, all of our heads of state, Tony Fauci, they say there's no proof that aluminum, you know, has any issue whatsoever. There's their own there's theories. They refuse to look at science from anywhere else in the world. And they refuse to do the science here. Again, to that point, if we don't do the science, then we can say there is no science that proves that. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, the reason the so-called anti-vaccine movement is growing is because we're right. We're, we are reading the science and we are winning. And these ridiculous bumper sticker statements like vaccines are safe and effective are really falling apart on the pharmaceutical industry. I, I you know, I would say this. I had a simple thought. Can you imagine driving down the road and you see a billboard and it just says drugs are safe and effective? That's all it says. Black billboard, white letters, drugs are safe and effective, the CDC or whatever your health department is, right? What would you do as you're, you know, you're, now you're driving, you're stuck in traffic. What would your brain be thinking? You'd be thinking, what is that? What do they mean by that? I mean, they say, are they telling me like every drug is totally safe? Is that because I've watched on my television People suing all the time and lawsuits lost and lies and cover-ups. Um, are they saying that like even brand new ones that are coming that we haven't even heard of yet, those are going to be safe, safe too? Or what about combinations of drugs? I've heard you can't combine certain drugs. Your mind would say that is the stupidest statement you could ever make. Yet how is our mind allowing that statement to be made about vaccines? Vaccines are safe and effective. They don't hurt anybody. These things have wild live viruses in them bacteria, floating foreign DNA from an aborted baby, whether it's a boy or a girl, or, you know, we can't just, what happens when you put a transplant of a body part in someone, you got to make sure the body doesn't fight it. Yet we're putting DNA from another child into our oh, children. We're putting cocker spaniel DNA, worm DNA, you know, the list goes on and on. And you're telling me you can do that ad nauseum. You can pile seven, 10, 15 vaccines all at one time in one sitting in a four, you know, two, four, six month old baby. It defies all reason. And I think that that's, it's unfortunate. I'm not anti-science. I'm really worried that the overstatement by this industry, by our health departments, their callous disregard for the intelligence of humanity is in Washington screaming like their hair is on fire. But the truth is, is more and more people are looking into the science and saying, you cannot just make a blanket statement and show me no science. See, our side now, and if you look at, if you go to ICanDecide.org, which is my website, my nonprofit, we have government papers you can read and it has all the citations of all the medical journals where we get our information. We have white papers on vaccine dangers. Same thing. I cite all the medical science. Yeah. I'm not making this up. I don't sit with a crystal ball. I'm not talking to some acupuncturists and ask them what they think about vaccines. I'm reading the science and the science is actually on our side. Yeah. And, and people should really have a choice, right? I mean, people, should have, people should have a choice really. I mean, whether they, is that what that ICANN's about as well? Is that informed consent? Yes, it's informed consent. Informed consent came from 
Neuro. We have assistant doctors from Germany that were testing vaccines and drugs and medical experiments on innocent people, Jews in concentration camps. And so we had the Nuremberg trials. And I believe, I think all 16 of them were hung in the end. But we came out of that with a set of rules called the Nuremberg Code. And the very first number one on the Nuremberg Code is informed consent, that the consent of the patient is absolutely essential. That And it goes on to say that any procedure, any injection, any medical experiment, the patient must know all of the benefits and all of the potential side effects and then be allowed to make a choice. Our vaccine program in America where, oh, and by the way, it says you can't even use, you can't use force to do anything. You can't use coercion. And yet here in America, we're using coercion in California, where we took all the rights away from parents. If they want to opt out of the vaccine program, their kids can't go to school, not in a private school, not in a public school. That's coercion. That's the total destruction of the Nuremberg Code. Now in Washington, with the 30 people with measles, they are saying they want to take away all exemptions. Same thing, that you will now be forced to be injected with these pharmaceutical products that have never been through a safety study total destruction of the Nuremberg Code. And we have to ask ourselves, what is going on? Yeah, why? So yes, I'm all about choice. Why Why yeah, is well, this? I mean, I, it, this, come, this comes to the big question, really, is is it just a money thing? Is it just big pharma pushing their wallet around and, and you know, all the lobbying? Right? Or is it is there a... Is there a deeper nefarious uh, intention behind it all? I mean, it's hard not to go to that that conspiratorial thing that says like they don't want healthy people, and the you know they don't they just want a bunch of uh, you know barely educated uh, worker bees. Well, the other thing no one ever seems to know about is like the vaccine um, injury fund, the vaccine injury act, and the vaccine injury fund, and the fact that you know. The U.S. is paying out hundreds and hundreds and millions of dollars to the people that don't get killed. Um, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the other big one for us is polio. What uh, Do you have sort of a, a take on polio? Well, those were, th- those were three huge ideas. First of all, is there some nefarious intent? Is there nefarious intent? Let's start there. Um, uh, I'll write down polio, so I'll get to that. Um, you know, I, I, I grapple with that. I, I'm a person that likes to, I, I, I truly believe in humanity. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I believe in the, the human spirit. I believe we mostly mean. So it's very hard for me to, to, to accept that there may be people that are just knowingly poisoning yeah. children, innocent yeah. children. Yeah. Um, I know for sure the doctors aren't the ones that I don't blame the doctors necessarily. I'm starting to blame them more because more and more science and the work I'm doing in Bobby Kennedy. And it's just it's becoming at least look into this, you idiot. You know what I mean? You can't just at this point. It's not like I didn't know, but you didn't know. The doctors were trained uh, poorly. No, no pediatrician knows anything about how a vaccine actually works. They're just told on page, you know, 185 of the textbook. One page literally just says vaccines are great. They're safe and effective. If your patient tries to deny them, just tell them that it's the greatest invention of the 20th century and they're safe and effective. And then you inject it here or here. There is not a single discussion. A pediatrician cannot tell you how the immune system actually works. They cannot tell you the ingredients in the vaccine, which I find shocking when it's really all that they do. Um, So 
but why? Like, how is this happening? I do believe there's people that know. One of the things that people should look up is there's a, a great deposition of a man named Stanley Plotkin. Uh, if you go on YouTube, you'll be able to find it because we're all talking about posting videos like crazy. This guy is the living father of our vaccine program. He's made more vaccines than anybody alive. He is it is on the board of almost every pharmaceutical company in the world. And he made a tragic mistake. He decided to come in as a witness on a trivial, um, on, not a trivial, but to them it was important, a child custody issue where a father wanted to vaccinate the kid and the ex-wife didn't. And so pharma decided, let's send in our best guy mm -hmm. to support the idea for the father that he should use vaccines. What he didn't know is that in order to be in court, he would be allowed to be deposed. Oh. And he was deposed for nine hours in front of a video camera. And for the first time in history, we have one of the top people having to answer questions under oath. Wow. Uh, it's nine hours, or you can look at the little pieces. We're, on my show, we're cutting a little piece out at a time. But it, it is. Keep waiting for this guy to just scream. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> He got incredibly dark. And what I come to when I watch him, and I've seen him speak and I've seen him write about things, mostly what I think is happening is this. He has, been, he has said things like, we are at war with infectious disease. And do I believe there's casualties of that war? Of course there are. There's casualties of every war. But if we're ever going to achieve freedom from infectious disease, then we have to continue to march forward. And that's what he tells himself while he kills innocent children that would have had lives, um, that they're simply casualties of a dream of his. And we put out a video where he admits to, in one study alone, using 76 aborted fetuses. And shocking statements by this guy. He, he, said, he ends up admitting... He tested his products on handicapped people in insane asylum. Um, it just goes on and on. And ultimately, he declares that he's an atheist and that he hates people who have religious beliefs. Um, but this is the guy who's designing our vaccine program. So I think that the, and I think he still refuses to do the studies to get the actual numbers. He doesn't want to see the data. Yeah, you yeah. would never want to see that it's 43,000 people being killed every year by the vaccine program if we automated it. Yeah. So he, along with the CDC, let's just keep the numbers as low as we can so that I keep telling myself that the casualties of this war are very low. So that's mostly what I think is driving it. Certainly money when it comes to pharma. Pharma is the most powerful lobby in Washington yeah. at today. They're outspending oil and gas two to one. I believe and all over the world, they're pushing mandatory vaccine programs. Not to sound like some crazy conspiracy theorist, but pharma is about to own every human body in the world if we don't stop. Yeah, and yeah. it is not going to stop with our children. Here in America, Health and Human Services, which is our mothership health department, had a program on their website called Healthy People 2020. By 2020, they wanted to have a fully installed vaccine, um, uh, mandatory vaccine program for all adults. That's the goal of pharma now. And I think it's always been the goal. Mm -hmm. They're not really concerned over the two or three percent of children who are not vaccinated in Washington. They're not going to make some extra billion dollars from that. Mm -hmm. But when they manage to get government officials to force an adult vaccine problem, 
uh, program. They have now got 320 million forced customers. Yep, exactly. Thousands of vaccines coming the yeah. pipeline. Yeah. It's so the future of this industry. Is, is, there a, is there a connection there between, are they pushing pro-abortion and, and Planned Parenthood type stuff? I mean, is there a connection there to, to keep the, uh, you know, to keep the, pro- know. keep the product I moving? I mean... Well, I mean, they, they're able to just keep re- recreating the same cell lines. I heard China just aborted a new baby for some of the vaccines they're making. So I don't think that that drives that industry. They can do it without more yeah. abortions. I just yeah. find it fascinating that the same people that are, you know, pro-choice are also pro-vaccine. And then when you're down south, people that are, you know, pro-life are pro-vaccine. Like, how could you be pro-life and not care about the fact that you're injecting aborted fetal tissue into your baby. And by the way, it's not just that, you know, uh, religious religion, we think, well, it's an abomination to inject dead baby cells into my own baby. But there's actually science now backing that up. There's a great scientist in uh, Seattle named Dr. Teresa Deicher. She's one of the top stem cell scientists in the world. She discovered the adult heart stem cell. She's the one that moved us into adult stem cells that we could draw from our own body versus having to get them from aborted fetuses. So we are talking about one of the top scientists in the world. Her studies are showing that these fragments of DNA from the aborted fetuses that are in the MMR vaccine and the varicella vaccine and the hepatitis A vaccine that the stem cells of our children are coming down and taking up that little piece of fragmented code and inserting it into the code of the stem cell and thus mutating itself and then recreating that error over and over and over again. She believes that's leading to the rise in childhood leukemia and probably is an explanation for the rise in autism. Wow. It's not just that it's an abomination. It's actually a scientific principle. And she makes a great point. She said, when I talk to gene therapists, you know, we've all been waiting for this gene splicing idea. We read about it in all time, Scientific America or whatever. But you know why it's not really here yet? You can't go and get genes inserted because they can't figure out a way. And she says, I've talked to the top guys. They're friends of mine. I say, you know, they said we can't quite get the gene, you know, the, the little piece of code we're inserting to fix an error. If it doesn't land in the right place, it just starts replicating and turning into cancer over and over and over again. Wow. And so we haven't figured out how to get around that problem. And she said to them, what if I told you that we actually are injecting code, DNA code, in our vaccines in the children? They're like, oh, that, that's baloney. Like, no, no, it's true. It's happened. They, it couldn't be. That you couldn't do that. You'd have cancer everywhere. You'd have all sorts of autoimmune disease. Well, we do have all sorts of autoimmune disease. I mean, exactly right. She said to them, I will show you the ingredients. And they were mind blown. Wow. They said, you've got to be kidding me. So think about this. The, the top scientists that are looking at genes are not talking to the top <laughs> scientists that are making vaccines. And if they did, they'd be like, are you out of your mind? You cannot do that. We Because it caused all sorts of havoc in the body. And that's exactly what's happening with the health of our children. We've gone from 12.8% autoimmune disease and neurological disorders, so chronic illness is what it's grouped at, 12.8% in the 1980s before we took away liability. Uh, and then now that we've accelerated from 10 vaccines to 72 vaccines by the time you're 18, that 12.8% has risen to 54% of children in America have either a neurological disorder or an autoimmune disease. So there you have it. I mean, there it is. I wouldn't be here if we had the healthiest children in the world. Yeah. We don't. 
Yeah. They're the sickest in the world. And by the way, it's the sickest generation of children we've seen in America. We would say it all the time on the medical talks that worked on the doctors. This is the first generation of children that will not live to be as old as their own. Wow. Wow. Disgusting. So uh, you mentioned the liability thing there. Can you just expand? Do you want to talk that? about vaccine court now or polio? Let, yeah, let's let's go. Let's touch so on the vaccine we, court quick. Since you mentioned it, you kind of yeah. touched on it there. Yeah, I mean that's really important because you know I, I when I first got into this, I was saying to my best friend, you know, we you know that we took liability away from vaccine makers is the only product in the world, and it's the only product that pharma makes that you can't sue them when it injures you, and we created instead of suing them. We created a, a court called Vaccine Court, where we actually just complain and basically sue our government. And if we prove our child was injured, we just get a payout. And my friend said, doesn't the need for a court like that prove right there that vaccines injure kids? Yeah. I mean, it's really that simple, right? Yeah. If you have to have a court to deal with vaccine injuries, you can't be saying vaccines are safe and effective. Like Those two things don't go together. But here's what happened. In, in 1986, the, the DPT vaccine specifically was so horrific and causing seizures and deaths that the pharmaceutical industry was getting sued like crazy. And they even complained it is not profitable anymore to make vaccines. Think about that. Think about pharma. Think about the billions and billions of dollars it makes off of, over all the things it sells us uh, in our t- I don't know if you have the TV ads actually in Canada. You're a little different than we are. I don't but have a all TV. All stuff were being sold. And, um, and, it's so bad, this product, that they can't make money anymore. So they go to Ronald Reagan and our Congress, and they say, they essentially blackmailed them. They say, we're going to stop making all vaccines unless you protect us from liability. Ronald Reagan thought it was a terrible idea, so did our Congress. But they, there were, you know, everybody came to the table and thought, well, at least if we made it like a low-fault court where we're not really blaming the vaccine, and since we know some kids are being injured – It'll be easier for parents to get paid out when their kids do get injured. When they're one of those rare casualties, they should get paid and and be able to take care of that invalid, that child for the the rest of their life. Um, And so it passed. We took liability away from the industry and we created a kangaroo vaccine court. It's become everything it was not supposed to be. It was supposed to be non-adversarial, meaning you just had to meet this really low bar of proof that the vaccine caused the injury to your child or yourself. And then you get a payment to be able to take care of that injury the rest of your life. But very, very early on, they realized, they I think, that they made a tragic error. They suddenly had 5,000 people lined up in vaccine court whose children had autism. And all of them were saying, we watched it happen right after the vaccines. Now, prior to that moment, we were paying out between 3 and $5 million to take care of a child with autism and all the way through their adulthood. Remember, when their parents die, someone's going to have to take care of them. They're going to have to go into some sort of institution or, or, or facility. They're going to have to have special education their whole life. They're going to have uh, certain physical issues like gut problems and, and, and Crohn's disease and all things that come with, with uh, autism. So imagine they were looking at 5,000 cases that were going to cost them three to five million apiece. Suddenly, the U.S. government was on the hook for billions of dollars and in a, in a problem that was, and we're just talking about one disease. We're not talking about multiple sclerosis or diabetes and all the other things they pay out for. And so they ended up, you know, creating this, what they called the omnibus proceeding. They took those 5,000 and selected six cases out of it. And they said, 
how we judge these six cases, that will be the judgment for all 5,000. So, and, and I'm going to get to the point because one of the biggest discoveries in the last literally like two weeks ago, the whole game has changed. Nice. So this is all mid-2000s. They're in this court situation. So the first case comes along, and it's Michelle Cedillo. This girl has, her parents swear that she has autism after the vaccine. Well, they bring in a state's witness. The top neurologist in the world that has studied um, uh, autism is a man named Dr. Andrew Zimmerman. Dr. Andrew Zimmerman studies the case. He knows more about autism than anybody in the world. The family's there. They have their own specialists and scientists trying to say that, you know, that the vaccine did it. And Dr. Andrew Zimmerman said, there is no scientific mechanism by which a vaccine can cause autism. And so that case lost. Okay. One down, five to go. Wow. The next case comes along. It's a girl named Hannah Poling. Now, Hannah Poling got a vaccine and regressed into autism. Here's the problem. Hannah Poling's father is a man named John Poling, a neurologist that works with Dr. Andrew Zimmerman. <laughs> and Dr. Andrew Zimmerman knew this little girl and watched this thing happen with his own eyes. And he brought in scientists, Dr. Kelly. And they investigated this girl and said, what happened here? And what they discovered was that she had an underlying mitochondrial disorder. And they looked into it and realized that these vaccines, if you have an underlying mitochondrial disorder, could disrupt your immune system to the point where it swells your brain. And then the result of the brain swelling is autism-like features. His mind is changed. So he goes to the Department of Justice. Now, he's already beat a bunch of these cases, even before the omnibus. They love him. He just busts these cases and no one can beat him. And he walks up to the lawyers and he says, I have changed my point of view. We have now discovered the mechanism by which a vaccine can cause autism. And that is if there is an underlying mitochondrial disorder. The Department of Justice fired him the next morning no. and he was never asked to be in that court again. And then the Hannah case and removed it from the five and settled it off to the side for a figure that none of us ever knew about. And Hannah Poling, you can see it. You just look it up. She's on Sanjay Gupta. They did a little media and then somehow they got suppressed and shut down and they didn't talk about it ever again. Well, about a couple months ago, um, Dr. Zimmerman discovered he did not know this. So here comes like the third or fourth case is a child named Yates Hazelhurst. He has the same exact story as Hannah Poling. And the father, Rolf Hazerhurst, is a district attorney from the South. So he knows what he's doing there. And he lays out the case and he loses. But when he loses, the Department of Justice gets up and says, though Dr. Zimmerman, Andrew Zimmerman, the world's leading authority on uh, neurology and autism, could not be here in this case, his official statement is that there's no mechanism by which a vaccine causes autism. After they'd been pulled aside and told that had changed. And they used that statement to make the official statement in America, there's no, there's no mechanism by which a vaccine causes autism. And Zimmerman really wrapped his head around that and, and has filed an affidavit against the Department of Justice and said, I have been fraudulently uh, misrepresented. And my official statement is there are rare circumstances by which a vaccine can cause autism. Wow. Uh, Bobby Kennedy is working on trying to mount a case against our health department for misrepresenting the world's leading authority on neurology and autism. By the way, 
in the last 33 years, that's really all Dr. Zimmerman has focused on. He will tell you he's still pro-vaccine. He's not an anti-vaxxer. He's just saying we need to start finding these children that have a pre-existing condition. Yeah. And when they look at the numbers in the facilities he's working at, uh, Dr. Kelly and him, they're saying that it looks like 30 to 50 percent of the children with autism had an underlying previous mitochondrial disorder, which means that perhaps at least half of the autism in this country, in the world, is being caused yeah. by a vaccine. Could have been stopped. I kind yeah. of got yeah. off yeah. on the court, but yeah. that's just how the courts work. It's a corrupted court. No, and, that's good, because then you give you us know, some latest, uh, you know, latest news yeah, on that as well. That's good. He, he's been attacked as a great, um, uh, I talked about it on my show, but Cheryl Atkinson, um, her show, uh, what's it called? She did a really great 10-minute expose on Dr. Zimmerman. He came under attack by the pharmaceutical institutions. So he actually re-upped just two weeks ago and put out an official statement online saying, I stand by what I said. I have, my statements have been mischaracterized uh, by this industry. But let's just talk about this perfect storm. You know, we, we've gone through all the different areas of safety, which is where I've been focused the yeah. most for the last three years. I think I'm the only journalist that's really ever focused on vaccines for three entire years of the life and nothing else. And only about safety. I really don't this year, we're going to start looking at efficacy, but I have only been focused on safety. Think about this. We are talking about an industry that brought us Vioxx. That killed 65,000 people with heart attacks. Merck made it. And in court, they ended up paying out $3 billion because their internal memo showed they knew that the drug caused heart attacks and they hid it from the FDA. We, because we had discovery in the court system, we got internal emails and those internal emails were saying things like when, people, when doctors were starting to question, I feel like my patients are getting heart attacks from this drug, pharma, the Merck reps reached out to the people that were promoting the vaccines to the doctors and said, don't worry about it. I know there's some, some tension in hospitals, but any doctor that questions Vioxx, we will hunt them down and destroy them where they work. That was an internal email. Wow. And we know that's how they think of the consumer. Merck makes most of your childhood vaccines. I think part of the job of getting through to people is that vaccines are not made in a room by some angels at Merck. It's the same money-driven, you know, corruptible, uh, uh, you know, industry that has brought us all these other problems with drugs, Fen-Fen. Or did you see last week Johnson & Johnson is now paying out billions of dollars because they knew for the last five decades that baby powder, their, their shower to shower and their baby powder had asbestos in it and it was causing cervical cancer. So when people tell me, are you telling me people are you know, they're just trying to hurt kids? I'm telling you, you can't trust this industry. Yeah. So we take that same industry and we allow them to have a product you cannot sue them for. We take all liability away. You take away the market force that a lawsuit could actually, that, I mean, sure you, baby powder is going to be made now. They paid out billions of dollars. It took 50 years. We took liability away. Okay, so that's the main market force that would ever make this industry make a safer product. It gets even worse, actually. They're not, not only are they not incentivized to do a safety study, they're disincentivized because the way the law is written in the 1986 Act is that if you know about a side effect and you do not report it, 
then and only then can you be sued. Yeah. So that essentially says, so you're saying if I don't do any safety studies and I don't find any problems, I'm fine. But if I do a safety study and I find a problem, I don't tell you about it, then I'm in trouble. Yeah. So we've taken liability away. Then we take this product and we mandate it upon citizens. We take away their choice. So you've taken away the market force of lawsuits. Now you're taking away um, consumer choice. They don't have to make a better product. I can't choose the others. I can't make choices like that. Or I can't say, I'm not doing the MMR altogether. I'll do the single measles and a single mumps and a single rubella. None of those options are available to me. So we've taken away the choice. And then when you think about the fact that this is the only product they make, where they make the excuse, we don't do safety studies with it because it would be unethical. So anyone that thinks, wow, Dell, you're crazy, answer those questions for me. Yeah. How do you feel safe with this lying industry under those three perfect storms coming together? No safety studies, no liability, no choice. Yeah. Wow. That's, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does suck. It really does. And that's, then, a, that's a great way to summarize it, really. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. But that, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, let's not end there. Actually, let's 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 suck a little more. Let's let's okay. let's run through polio quick, and then I then let's okay. see if we can put a little shine on this before we before we wrap it up. All right. Well, I think you when you're talking about polio, the big thing is you know these anti-vaxxers are going to cause a return of polio, right? Like that's a what about polio? You hear that all the time. Um, I could argue that. It, from multiple directions. But I will say this, not getting a measles vaccine is not going to bring back a return of polio. Okay. That's just a fact. But measles vaccine, and people say smallpox is going to return. How is smallpox going to return by not getting a chickenpox vaccine? I mean, it's, it's nonsensical, the statements being made. We don't even have a smallpox vaccine. anymore. But polio, I'll, I'll, I'll come halfway. Let's say this. Let's say polio actually did eradicate, I mean, the vaccine actually eradicated polio, if we want to take that perspective. Okay, but that was a really dangerous vaccine. In fact, it caused polio for a lot of people. In fact, the polio vaccine, we don't use the original uh, polio vaccine in America or in Canada, I don't think, that eradicated polio. The one we use now is much less um, effective. And should polio ever sprout back up, we'll have to go back to the old one. I'm not going to get into the details of why that is. But the only polio cases now in the world are being caused by the vaccine itself. And that's always been a problem. It has a side effect of you can actually spread, you shed the polio virus when you get the vaccine. So if you give a baby a polio vaccine and they, the diaper, it, shed, it sheds just the way regular polio does. So the, the polio vaccine could cause polio. In fact, it started epidemics in areas that didn't have it at all. Additionally, the polio vaccine for a very long time unknowingly had uh, a simian virus because we were growing it on monkeys. And just like the aborted fetal tissue, when we're growing it on aborted babies, you can't extract that, that tissue. And so we got simian viruses into the polio vaccine. It's called simian virus 40, which means it's the 40th virus, by the way, they found. This one happened to be extremely uh, cancer causing, and they think it led to millions of cases of cancer in America and probably Canada too, I would guess. So you have a dirty vaccine, but, and it's dangerous. You take on those risks. You take on the risk of getting polio. You take on the risk of getting cancer um, and things like that because we had a crisis. Polio was scary. People were being paralyzed. 
But measles is not polio. Chicken pox is not smallpox. The problem is we've moved out of deadly diseases. Polio really could be considered deadly um, to go after childhood illnesses, trivial illnesses. And we're taking on the same risk. We're taking on the risk of a vaccine for something we didn't need it for. That includes death. The flu shot causes Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is paralysis. You know, it happens all the time. It's listed right there on the vaccine insert. Why would you take on a risk of paralysis for life or even death? Flu shot has more deaths uh, in the VAERS system than almost any other vaccine, just because we don't want to feel bad for four or five days. So, you know, we've got to look at this vaccine program. We have to look at, are we vaccinating for things that we don't need to vaccinate for? Is this increased schedule making us sicker than we were before. And that's clear that that's the case. Now, I could also say, though, if I wanted to really get deeper into Suzanne Humphrey's work uh, and a great book, um, Dissolving uh, Illusions. And what she points out is doctors didn't like polio vaccine back then. But it's anecdotal to say that the vaccine eradicated polio. We don't know that. Well, they'll say, well, autism is anecdotal that the vaccine happened at the same time as autism. That's true about all science. It's anecdotal to say you introduced the vaccine and the disease disappeared. We also got better running water and, and, and better you know, sanitation systems. And guess what happened? At the same crisis point of polio was the same time we were spraying a product called DDT on all of our food, on our swimming pools. You'll see videos of them spraying this fog of an insect repellent on children. At that exact same moment, children were getting paralyzed with polio. Guess what one of the side effects ended up being when they finally looked at DDT? Paralysis. <laughs> oh my God. So we got rid of DDT at the same time that polio vaccine came online. And we say that the polio vaccine cured uh, polio. We don't know that. It could have been removing DDT or other environmental situations like that. Um, so we don't know, but we should be looking at it. And I th think we should really be looking at why are we not evolving these? Why are we making them safer? Why are we doing safety studies, for yeah. God's sakes? And yeah. simplest of all, yeah. and, and this is it. Anyone that wants to come and scream in my face, I'll talk to any doctor, any scientist all day, every day. Uh, we asked for one thing when Bobby Kennedy and I and, and several uh, people on our team got the opportunity to go to the National Institute of Health. We were sent there by Donald Trump as sort of a vaccine you know, entourage to ask some questions. And we said, if vaccines actually make children safer, then there's really one way you could prove that right now. You are sitting on a database called the VSD that has 10 million people on it here at the CDC. There's tens of thousands of children that are unvaccinated in that schedule, and you have all of their health records, all of their vaccine records. Will you please just do a comparative study between the vaccinated, the fully vaccinated, and the fully unvaccinated children? Just go ahead and graph it out and ask very simple questions. By the way, we live in a modern age. Computers can actually do this, believe it or not. You can take these two groups and chart all their information into the computer and ask, who has more autism? Who has more diabetes? Who has more leukemia? Who has more ADD, ADHD? Who has more eczema? Who has more asthma? And we could find the answer. 
and we would know once and for all. And if it came out and vaccines actually did better, we had lower rates of all those things and the unvaccinated are just as dirty as we said they were, my career here would be over. Bobby Kennedy would be done. They could shut us up forever. But you know what they said? We'll never do that study. Yeah. And there you have it. You go yeah. ahead and take that. You can say, oh, you're, well, you're leading your, you know, they will not do yeah. the simplest study known to man to end the argument for all that anti-vaxxers forever. Why? You know why. And you know they've done it. Yeah. Because that's what they do. Yeah. And they've never shown the public because we can't handle the truth. That's right. And all they want to do is shut you up when they won't talk about it or won't even discuss it. And it's the same on other things. This science corruption is happening in other levels, like you talked about in all, other, other all things. Levels. And it's when yep. it's when they they just want to shut you up instead of talking about it. You know, and oh, yeah. that gives you the clue right there. So, yeah. Darren, did you want to end on, you know, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to like those things like science and stuff like that, those are the things that make me think that, you know, science could maybe be socialized instead of capitalism. You know, maybe that's a good use of the, uh, the S word, yeah. the energy, the energy and the roads and the scientists. <laughs> we need to get back to science. What yeah. we have now is in a religion. Yeah. When you don't test something for safety and you tell people they have to use it and yeah. they have to trust you without any proof that it works. They don't look at the diseases it's causing and all the parents, they don't listen to the parents that are witnesses all over the world that are showing you there's signals, there's problems. When you don't do that and you keep saying, get your damn vaccine, vaccines are safe and effective, that's a religion. Yeah. That's not science. Yeah. Science invites the skeptic. Science invites the challenge because it knows if it's true science, it can stand up. Yeah. It doesn't avoid it. It doesn't bully you. It doesn't punch you in the face <laughs> instead of having a conversation. Exactly. So uh, before we before we wrap this up, this great conversation, um, is there any is there any good news? Are you making any headway? I mean, I, I think I, I think the news is great. I think we have the fastest growing movement in the world. That is indicated by every news station you see right now screaming with their hair on fire over the thirty kids and you know, people in. Washington, all they keep saying is this movement is growing. Um, you know, I get a weird, you know, little buzz because I know they're trying to attack us, but it's because they don't have an answer. The World yeah. Health Organization is saying that this anti-vaccine sentiment is, is a growing health concern in the world. Italy just elected politicians that ran on an anti on a basically a vaccine skeptic um, um, platform and one, and now they are actually funding scientists to do challenge studies of the vaccine program for the first time ever, wow. instead of firing them and kicking them out of the country. I think that, you know, we are coming to a head. There is definitely a war of ideology and a war of science and thought that's happening. Uh, people need to step up now. This is the moment. Um, there, the lines have been drawn and pharma wants to force this on every yep. single human in the planet. And once everybody's vaccinated, we will lose the ability to ever do that comparative study. Yeah. Yeah. If they can force every child to be vaccinated, we will never be able to remember what we once were or how healthy we once were. And you only have to look at the schools now. America, exploding special needs classes, autism through the roof, neurological disorders, speech delays through the roof, diabetes everywhere, highest rates ever seen. Every, you know, so many kids have eczema. Yes, eczema is a vaccine injury, folks. When people say to me, my child got the vaccine program 
and they they didn't weren't affected by it. I say, oh, they're not on ADD medication. Oh, well, yeah, they're they, yeah they are. Well, did you have ADD, ADHD? Did anyone in your family in your history? No. Where do you think it's coming from? See, this is what's going on. And okay. people have to wake up and start being critical thinkers again. Yeah. Stop okay. just repeating something because a doctor said it. How can they get involved or how can they help? Best thing to do is get involved with every local chapter. Somewhere in Calgary, there's, there's going to be a vaccine risk awareness group or, or a health choice group. Uh, anywhere in America that's watching this, find your state representative and get out because we've got to fight these bills. I'm going to be in Washington next Friday when they try to drop that bill and people are getting up to speak against the mandated vaccine program they're trying to push. We've got to nip these things in the bud. We've got to stand up for our rights. Think about it. Do you really think it's a good idea to have a government that's allowed to inject things into your body that you have no control over? I mean, if we don't learn from our history, we're doomed to repeat it. There are some dangerous figures out there that would love, would have loved to have had a program where every citizen lines up and gets injected and is not allowed to question, what is that you're putting into? Yeah. That's what this is really about. Forget the word vaccines. Yeah. These are injections into your children and yourself yeah. that you will not be able to control. Well said. Yeah. 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 That was a great, great uh, thing. And it looks like uh, where things are moving in the right direction. So that's yeah. exciting. Like I say, in Canada, we don't have a lot of those problems yet. I mean, I don't face too much. I mean, the one thing I do consider from time to time is, I mean, I've seen some stuff about the chicken pox because it seems like impossible to get the chicken pox nowadays. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've, we hum and haw about that one maybe when they're a little older. Because, I mean, I know a couple of people that got shingles, and that does not seem fucking fun. But yep. then, I mean, I don't know how much of that is. I still got a few years. Oh, no, shingles, I mean, we, I might could go on for days. Shingles, the reason we have shingles is, is because, because of chicken pox, right? Chicken pox vaccine. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. We are not coming in contact with our children when they get chicken pox, yeah. which was the natural boost that kept us from ever getting shingles. Yeah. So the vaccine is causing the shingles epidemic. But, yeah, yeah. We're, you know, it's, it's – um, there is – we are winning. We are – uh, you know, just go to my website, ICanDecide.org. You can see the government papers. I won two lawsuits last year against the government health agencies, one lawsuit against Health and Human Services and one lawsuit against the National Institute of Health. We're going to launch more lawsuits in the benefit of people's health against our health agencies. If I'm wrong, how is it that I'm winning lawsuits? Against yeah. Them? yeah. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes for people to check them out. And, right. you know, thanks so much for the, the awesome conversation and being so passionate and uh, well-spoken about it. It was a great, great information session. Yeah, we appreciate your work, sir. Yeah. Thank thanks. you so thanks much for, for that. Yeah. Thanks awesome. for having this conversation because yeah. we can change anything yeah. if we have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. We cannot allow anyone to say, this is not a debate. This is not a discussion. Yeah. We are free people. We are still free people. We have to exercise our right the conversation yeah. thanks for that thanks thanks Del. okay all right chat and that was a chat it's the one and only dell big tree what'd you think buddy i accidentally Ooh, hung was, up on that him. was pretty mind-blowing there it was yeah it was Sort of way better than I See, expected. I think I know a lot of that stuff, but he just delivers it. Just it's just fucking all boom, right there. Boom, you know? He's in it. Perfect. Yeah. He's in yeah. it all day, every really, day. Really, really good. Something tells me uh, this might have been a seminal episode for Brody. Yeah. Really?
No. Yeah, yeah no, it was, uh, it was good. I mean, it makes sense. He's not very dogmatic about it. He really is just like, hey, let's, let's well, do he some tests. And... comes at it from a medical journalist standpoint, right? So he just kind of accidentally came into it. Yeah. Yeah, so big thanks to Dell for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll get some hate mail on this one. That's always fun. Um, big thanks to Dell. Big thanks to you guys for listening, supporting. Of course, uh, this is, this show is a good example of why you need to head over to grandamerica.ca slash support or grandamerica.ca slash Patreon or grandamerica.ca slash Stripe and uh, sign up for a monthly or a yearly or do a one-time donation or do something because... I mean, if we had advertisers and stuff like that, they wouldn't appreciate content like this. And, you know, the YouTube doesn't appreciate content like this. And lots of people don't appreciate content like this. We know you guys do appreciate content like this, so you should support it. support. Keep us keeping on. Yep. Um, on that, do everything in the show notes. Anything else? That's it. That's it, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Rage
against the machine Don't get comfortable free thinkers Rage against the machine Sent you there 